Hi everyone, welcome back to Better Than Bad. Uh, I'm your host Jess. I hope everyone's doing well and that you all enjoyed the last episode. If you didn't have the chance to listen to the last episode, then head on back. I was joined by Sean and we discussed Dwayne Johnson's highest and lowest rated films. We had a really interesting discussion um, and it was really fun. So head on back and listen to that when you get a chance. But today, I am back and I am joined by another very special guest. I am joined by Brett. Hello. Hi, are you right? I am very, very well. Um, we are here to discuss someone quite exciting. Do you want to tell the people who we're going to be discussing today? Yeah, uh, this guy, he's a bit under the radar. don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Um, I think he's yeah. a bit up and coming, isn't he? Just, uh... <laughs> a bit. Yeah, he's on his way up. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, um, this was, this episode's been in the works for a while now. Um, we've finally been able to um, align our schedules to be able to do this episode. Um, so yeah, Tom Cruise, for those, if you don't know, I don't know why you wouldn't. If you don't know, Tom Cruise is an American actor and a producer. Um, he is one of the highest paid actors in the world. So he's not doing too bad for himself. Um, and he's best known for his roles in action films such as the Mission Impossible franchise and Top Gun uh, amongst a lot of others. He has a very, very recognisable face in the Hollywood world. Um, what was the reason? Why did you want to discuss Tom Cruise today? Well, I thought, well, at the time when we originally planned to do the recording, our Top Gun Maverick was coming out, and I thought, this is just a great opportunity um, to do Tom Cruise, who has like a very diverse filmography as we're Mm -hmm. about to discuss and yeah I just thought at the time very relevant and actually now just as relevant because it's the highest grossing film of the year yeah well that was the thing and um so on IMDB I went on to have a look and Top Gun Maverick is his highest rated film even though it is just like well only been out a couple of months um Mm. it has 8.6 stars which is a very very high rating um and his lowest rated films were actually it was a tie between um a film called losing it and endless love um now losing it is not available anywhere unless you um illegally download it (laughs) it is which we don't um, recommend (laughs) which we don't recommend at all um and it is sort of seems to have been scraped from the internet um and then endless love which we were originally going to watch we then realized that he's only in it for like 45 seconds now you can watch his 45 seconds on youtube if you so desire i have um but we didn't think there was enough in that to discuss Tom Cruise in its in, in his entirety. Um, and since this is all about him, we've decided to go one up from that. And his next lowest rated film was The Mummy, which has 5.4 stars. So that is what we watched instead. And that is what we are going to be discussing. Um, we're going to start off by discussing The Mummy. Some quick facts for everyone listening uh it has 5.4 stars on imdb it was released in 2017 it's written 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 by david coop um it's based on the universal pictures mummy series from the original was in 1932 which has already been remade um multiple times at this point it was remade in 1950 
2009 with a Hammer Horror um, version with Christopher Lee. And then it was remade again or rebooted again um, in 1999 with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Um, this version that came out in 2017 stars Tom Cruise, obviously. It's also got Annabelle Wallace, Russell Crowe and Sophia Boutella in it. Um, and it was directed by Alex Kurtzman. Um, had you seen this film prior to this podcast? Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I didn't watch it when it first came out. I didn't pay to go see it, thank God. But um, I think I saw it on streaming afterwards and it was oh my god (laughs) what a mess (laughs) um yeah i mean this film i don't know where to start really i mean like you when you said about the writers was david coop wasn't it um but it was actually written by they had quite a few writers like five different writers something like that but i think he's the most well known out of all of them um, which is always a great sign, let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, I just think tonally it's a huge, huge mess. Mm. Uh, what do you, what were your first impressions? Yeah, so I uh, this is the first time I've seen the film. Um, I'm a big fan of the uh, Brendan Fraser mummy films. I really enjoy them. And so mm. when I found out that they were rebooting it, I was sort of like, my, I was very angry and my allegiance to Brendan Fraser um I was like no you can't remake it and obviously it's something that's been rebooted remade multiple times um but I was sort of like very against the idea and then um Mm. obviously watched it with this and yeah it's just it's sort of um the the main word I kind of that kept coming to my mind when I was watching it was that it's just a bit dull um Mm. particularly considering it's supposed to be this big um, action adventure film and it just seemed to be very lacklustre missing in in you know there were there were some big moments and um, some big action sequences as there always is in Tom Cruise films but mm. yeah it just was lacking a bit of pizzazz <laughs> mm. I would say yeah I get what you mean. Um, when I was watching it, I was just sort of thinking, um, it's quite workmanlike, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, like the action scenes, for example, which is sort of really the big selling point. Um, they're all, I'd say, reasonably entertaining, I don't know, um, mm. but nothing mind-blowing. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort yeah. of... Um, and the dialogue, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Tom Cruise is working with an absolute turk here. Like, <laughs> yeah, he I, really was. And the cast lacked. I felt like the cast lacked chemistry. There wasn't a mm. lot of, um, like, particularly between like Tom Cruise and um, the female lead. Like, mm. you'd think that they'd have, there'd be that chemistry there. And I don't know whether I. I don't want to say that was necessarily the actor's fault. I feel like that might have come down to the writing and the way that it was uh, and the pacing and Mm. all of that. But um, yeah, there was just, it was lacking some chemistry and some spark between all of the different actors. It felt very disjointed at times. Definitely. I agree on, I agree, you know, heavily on that. Um, It's, I don't know, it, it just feels like, not to make an awful pun, but I will anyway. 
<laughs> Cruz especially feels like he's on cruise control. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's doing this sort of um, very basic stick, basic shtick. Um, mm. Like obviously, he throws himself into the action scenes, which I really admire. And like um, the plane scene, for example, um, mm. when it starts going sort of zero g. Mm. Uh, they actually went up and did that in a real plane, which I thought that's quite a nice touch. Um, little things like that, um, but yeah, the dialogue and things—it just it lacks any sort of flair, mainly because they're just sort of explaining the plot to each other. But mm. that's that's the main thing, really. Yeah, and the awkward cause... jokes as well, really. The awkward jokes, because <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the thing with pretty much all Tom Cruise films is that he is very dedicated to the stunts and the action sequences. He does a lot of it himself, pretty much all of it himself. And, mm. um, you know, he is very dedicated to those things so that there were action sequences involved in this film that were um, cool and fun to, to look at and watch. But in terms of the whole sort of overarching plot, which is what you really go to see a film for, um, it was definitely lacking... Um, and lacking a lot of what makes The Mummy so popular or has mm. made The Mummy so popular in the past. Because for a film that was about ancient Egypt, we spent zero time in ancient Egypt <laughs> or in, in Egypt at all, um, which I thought was strange, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Because um, where is it? It's Iraq. Mm-hmm. Well, after sort of the prologue, um, yeah. and then I don't know that plane. Then it's sort of in I don't know Surrey. I want to say <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Just sort of very Middle England sort of place. The forest, yeah, we go and then bit, London. We go a bit medieval um, England and and whatnot. It's very, it was, which is strange in itself because again, it was about a, a, a supposed to be about. Um, Egyptians and or ancient Egypt and um, obviously it had this similar plot points um, to the original and to the Brendan Fraser version as well where it was you mm. know, someone uh, who had been mummified alive and um, they was you know, the the mythology around the idea that if they were ever released then a curse would be released and it had all of those points but it just seemed to lack any sort of groundedness in what it was really trying to say and do? Well, I think the big problem was it it wasn't trying to be, well, like the Brendan Fraser movie, because that's obviously, um, you could watch that as one film and just take Mm. it as that. It's one story beginning to end. It doesn't Mm -hmm. try to, as this film does, set up... um, four or five spin-off films um mm. which we'll talk about as well um it, because it that's basically this film's objective they have to explain what's going on and without actually focus on focusing on making it a coherent actually enjoyable story because this could have been a really great film um especially with like you know sort of an action horror film i think i don't know it could have worked really really well but it just no yeah because there were there were um elements of it that were leaning into the horror um side of things which is what 
um, as you mentioned, this film was due to set up um, the Dark Universe, um, which was Universal Pictures' sort of answer to um, <laughs> the growing trend of having um, extended universes within films um, and was going to be sort of like the horror MCU, if you will. Um, and it was yeah. going to bring back the old Hammer Horror um monsters and and whatnot and bring them um back and have them all intertwined into this sort of shared Mm. universe and it definitely lent into sort of horror moments at times i felt like it felt more like a zombie movie than Mm. um necessarily a film about the mummy obviously there are those elements that have existed in the previous ones as well um but it definitely had more of like a zombie element to it um but there were like good sort of leanings into the horror but as you said because it was its main goal and its main purpose was to set up this dark universe it Mm. sort of seemed to skip over the story that it was trying to tell and I think something that you need to be able to do if you are going to have a um, universe of films I think at least for the ones that exist in the beginning they need to be able to just stand alone by themselves because otherwise yeah. why would you go see it it's like you know obviously we there's a lot of discussion about the MCU and how it's maybe overproducing at the moment and all of these different things but ultimately when they first started what they did was really clever they had these films that could exist by themselves and then slowly but surely they started to intertwine in a way where people were like, oh, wow, that's cool. These characters from these other films are coming in. And it established itself in that way rather than it being, I felt like this was trying to like bang you over the head with, we're creating a universe here. Um, And that's kind of what it felt like when, because one of the things that I got, because I'm about to spoil the film if you haven't seen it. Sorry, guys. But one of the things that, got me was when Russell Crowe's characters introduced they they take no time to introduce the fact that he's Dr Jekyll and I just felt like that could have been the end reveal Hmm. like you could have not known this guy's name the whole way through the film and then it was like oh what's your name and then they could have had something that kind of you know that way they would have focused on the mummy story and then they could have revealed the fact, oh, yeah, I'm Dr. Jekyll. And then it was like, oh, okay, this is, that would have felt more um, Mm. satisfying, I think, than you get like half an hour into the movie and it's like, what's your name? Um, I'm Dr. Jekyll, (laughs) in a really bad (laughs) accent. Yes, yes. Um, Well, how he's introduced, he, um, spoilers for the mummy, but, you know, who cares at this point? Um, Mm It's in that tunnel, well, the uh, sort of catacombs, I want to mm. say, like the tombs. And there's this worker, and he's and he just sort of walks past. He doesn't even look at him. And he pulls a bit of paper out, and he goes... <laughs> he just hands it to him, and then that's it. That's such an awful cliche in films, I mm. know. Um, yeah, I'm really important. I have this paper. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts to do really boring sort of expositional dialogue about what happened to Princess Amina, who is the villain of the film. Mm. And that could have been really exciting on its own. That much voiceover, it could have been a bit more in-depth and really sort of fleshed out her character a bit. But it didn't. It just sort of skims over it. And then 
when he is introduced, he's very sort of uh, posh Russell Crowe. And then when he turns into Dr. Jekyll, he's Cockney Russell Crowe, which is... Actually, I really laughed at that bit. That was hilarious. But (laughs) (laughs) my proper stereotypical... Sorry, that's not even a word. Stereotypical Cockney Mm. that I've probably ever heard. Um... But yeah, honestly, like like you said, I think he would have been better at the end of the film to reveal this is Dr. Jekyll and this, you know, there's a larger world of these monsters out there maybe, but they're just so heavy-handed with it. Um, it doesn't work. It just sort of makes you think, why do I want to see this? You're, I can't even enjoy this film when you're trying to set up five more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing was, what's kind of like so, well i mean it's sort of funny in a way but they're not at the same time is that this dark universe like they were they were ready to go they had cast mm. people um you know johnny depp was supposed to be involved javier bardem as well um they had a whole like press release about how these people were going to be part of this dark universe mm. and then this film came out and it just was completely like panned and yeah. it resulted in them completely shelving the project, which is at the time was very like unprecedented. Like the idea of them completely like shelving it into, when they've already cast it. I mean, we've now just very recently seen that that seems to be coming <laughs> the flavor of the month, particularly with Warner Brothers, where they're mm. literally getting rid of complete, like completely almost completed films. Um, but yeah, when it when that initially happened, it was like it sort of exist was was existing everyone was talking about it the film came out everyone decided that it was crap and that was it the project was shelved and never to be heard of again and these people that yeah. and it's kind of interesting um that they had really planned ahead for the, at least the first five and they were ready to go and then they saw the numbers and they just were like abort abort mission because <laughs> um, the budget for this film was around about between 125 to 195 million dollars, and mm. their box office return was 410 million. So it's not a massive return either, in terms of no, yeah, film budgets and stuff. Um, obviously, to normal people, that sounds like a lot, but um, in terms of film-related stuff, it's not as big of a return as I imagine they anticipated, especially when you've got. Tom Cruise at the helm who typically yeah. brings in a lot of people um, to come and see these films. Yeah, and when you take into account, I think, marketing as well, however much that is, maybe another 100 million, so it's it's barely sort of broken even probably. Um, yeah, it was a complete sort of calamity, I'd say, the Dark Universe. Um, even in the beginning of this film, you know, when the Universal logo comes up, mm. it turns into, um, you know, it says Dark Universe. Mm. <laughs> I'm just thinking, that's bold. That's <laughs> that's really sort of um, trying to set out what you want to do, I guess. Maybe a bit presumptuous. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because um, when that popped up, I was like, oh, they were, they, they, it wasn't even like, a, this is a film that's going to then link. It was like, no, this is what we're doing. And yeah. it's just like, 
I really think that they thought this was going to be a runaway success. That's the only thing I can think <laughs> of as to why they were so like bold with what they were doing, that they mm. just thought it was going to be this massive success that everybody wanted to be um, watching and involved in. Um, and it just didn't, it just didn't do what they wanted it to do. Yeah. But really, it's like, you know, it feels a bit like a Marvel clone, to be honest. Like, but yeah, like the jokes as well. They try and force in a lot of these awkward jokes. Um, and like how basically that, the the organisation that Russell Crowe runs, um, Prodigium, mm-hmm. it's called, isn't it? That's basically S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and he's basically Nick Fury, but for monsters, I guess. <laughs> It just feels very like okay. You don't have any superheroes, so what have we got? We've got monsters, right? Bang. Template. Bang. Yeah, big star. Yeah. They um, because I heard or or read that there was plans to potentially for it to result in like a um kind of a reboot of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which mm. was a uh. A successful sort of comic series at one point um but then they made a film that was again panned um universally sort of hated um and then there was plans that this would eventually result in that and it's one of those things where it's like that potentially could work as a film that could work really well it just hasn't been done well as of yet um but when your intention like they i feel like they almost modernized it too much like like you were saying where it was like that his um Russell Crowe's company is like um shield and all of those different things it felt like there was lacking something that I, one of the reasons i think these you know the hammer horror um films were so popular is that they were just very much rooted in this very old school horror element of the scary monster and these people trying to defeat it and i felt like it was trying to overcomplicate what is a very simple story And had they kept Mm. it really simple, you could have still had these things intertwining eventually, but there was no, there was no build up to that moment. You didn't get a chance to um, know Tom Cruise's character in his entirety before you were already introduced to what would then, you know, later, who would then later become involved in the dark universe. You then get to the end of it and he's got the, um, soul of the god in him or whatever it was and then he's like and then that's the end of the film and you're like okay so is he gonna continue on with that there was no clear route as to what would be next anyway it's like what's the next logical step in this if they were to continue it what would have been the next logical step to continue in that story because it didn't seem like there was a point for it to go off on it didn't make any sense (laughs) No, I totally agree. I feel like it would have led into the... I think it was supposed to be Bride of Frankenstein after this, so it may have gone sort of like one day and then Tom Cruise comes along and goes, hey, I'm trying to form a team. Do you want to be part of that? And something like that, I'm guessing. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It just the ending. Oh, my God. When Tom Cruise turns, <laughs> gets the um, the soul. Of, is it set? Yes. And the powers, and I'm just like, oh my god, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. When Tom Cruise turns into the mummy, I was like, I, d- I didn't expect that. Um, 
<laughs> I was just sort of like, why is he doing this? <laughs> Doesn't seem like a very Tom Cruise role. <laughs> no, that was the strange thing is that it, it kind of lacked the big um, sort of jaw-dropping moments and things like that that are almost synonymous with a with a Tom Cruise film and it lacked the charm that usually um, mm. exists within a Tom Cruise film because I think that's why people... Um, like him and they like his films is that there is usually quite a lot of charm to his films um, mm. and that's what makes them really watchable this just didn't have any of that um, and it's so strange and it's just I also feel like they missed the mark a little bit because back when well back when the original uh, one came out and then um, as it uh, the reboots and stuff people have always particularly from sort of the, the western world have always been quite fascinated by ancient egypt and um egyptian mythology um and and whatnot and i feel like when this film came out it was almost once a lot of the people who had once been interested in that were no longer as interested or had realized the issues with the way in which it had been presented on screen so then you bring this film forward and you know the whole um curse like trope that feels a bit tired a bit you know overused and um and unnecessary at this point so you try and create a whole film around that and people are like okay we've seen a we've seen this before and b it's a bit sensationalised and um, arguably damaging for you to be like, oh, yeah, there was a curse <laughs> and they're coming to get you. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like it kind of missed missed the boat a little bit and then was trying to claw back this idea that people just were a bit over. Yeah. As well, though, like the Brendan Fraser ones, Um in fairness, they didn't finish that long ago. Well, when this film was released anyway. Um, and people still love like the original. Um, like the first Mummy, which I think... Did you talk about in your first episode of The Guest? Yeah, with... Um, yeah, yeah, with me and my friend Jodie. We're both big fans of, mm. the, of the original one. Or the Brendan Fraser Yeah, because that film is so fun. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Like this, you know... It's, there's like the sort of romantic adventure aspects and like the horror aspects and just sort of this grand story as well and it's mm. just it's so much fun but this is not fun <laughs> well that's what's that's what's strange about it is that you with the um the brendan fraser one which i, I i've always said i feel like is kind of like almost the perfect action adventure comedy film is that it's got the the balance between the comedy and the drama the horror and all of those, the romance, all of those different aspects. It's got the balance done perfectly. There's oodles of charm to it mm. from all of the cast. It, not even just Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, but like the entire supporting cast. Even the the villains have charm. The 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 mummy himself has a certain amount of charm that you want to <laughs> watch what's going on and and why this story is unfolding. And this just. And it's fun. It's a fun watch. You can watch it and you'll enjoy mm. yourself. So with all that blueprint there, I don't know how this missed the mark as much as it did. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like a very tired attempt to set up a franchise. 
But they're like, mm. oh, we've already done the mummy in, say, ancient Egypt, 1920s, that sort of thing. But So we've got yeah. to modernise it, and it's just, I don't know. Um, I was trying to think of any positives for it. <laughs> what did you think of Tom Cruise? Well, that's a big question, because that's the whole crux of your podcast, I suppose, isn't it? Um, mm. He's not likeable. He mm. sort of he comes off like a bit comes off like very arrogant. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you picked up on that, like a little bit yeah. of a dickhead. Um, he he's very selfish, and he just sort of he bumbles his way through this film. Um, just sort of, I don't know. He's not likable. He doesn't have his character doesn't really have anything to him apart from oh, I'm a thief and mm. I'm a bit of a rascal, that sort of thing. Um, I feel like they were going for the. I felt like they were going for the um, the the lovable rogue, and it just fell flat. Mm. That kind yeah, of because you see that did. a lot in um, well, in pretty much all of these like action adventure films and and uh, any media that has that in there. It's like. Um, I mean, in the the Brendan Fraser mummy, he's a bit of a rascal, but he's lovable and charming, and you want to be engaged with that. Another one that's like that, um, the Uncharted games. Um, I won't speak mm. much on the film, but the um, the games have that aspect as well. It's like this very mm. um, this you know he he is a thief, and but he's charming, and you want him to succeed. Um, Whereas this was trying to do that, but it went from him being a little bit like cheeky, cheeky, chappy, cheeky, cocky person to mm. him being just fully arrogant and getting in the way of like actual experts. Like when they find the <laughs> two and she's like, oh, we need to be careful in here. Like this is, and he's just like, nah, let's just. Only shoots the, the rope, doesn't he, or something? Yeah. And you kind of look at it. I mean, for one, why would you, in your right mind, you find that tomb and you see that this person has been literally like weighed down and held down? At that point, I'd be like, I think it's time to go. And then these people are there, like, oh, um, shall we take take the the tomb out? Should we shall we take the sarcophagus out? (laughs) Shall we do it? Shall we open it? I'm just like, what is what is you deserve to be cursed at that point. Yeah, and he just gets, for the rest of the film, he just sort of gets battered about and thrown into things. He's just there to be sort of a ragdoll, and he's thrown into things, and he just sort of goes, what? Mm. <laughs> do you know? Do you know how many times he says, stop, or what? Because mm. I picked up on that mm. very often. So much so, maybe you could make a drinking game out of it, I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's just sort of him just going, what's going on? And then someone explains the plot to him and he goes, oh, okay. But it's so... Yeah, you just... Yeah, heavy-handed. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. And it was spoon-feeding its audience. And I think you ne- you don't have to do that. I, mm. I, I don't like it when films assume that their mm. audiences are stupid. Um, most audiences will pick up on things if you present it to them on screen you don't have to tell them you don't have to say this is because of this they they mm. can for most part they can put two and two together obviously you can do that too much where it's a bit like too confusing 
but there needs to be a balance there and I feel like this was leaning way too into the I'm going to overly explain everything and have a character explain what's happening to the lead role so that you all get it just in case you mm. didn't understand what was going on. There's a mummy running around and he's trying to kill us. Okay. Just so, just like, that's what it felt like they were doing constantly. And it was just like, okay, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Can we have some like substance, some, you know, little, little bit of seasoning to this or is it just straight, this is what's happening. Very simple. And I really don't, I just don't quite understand how Universal thought that this was going to set up this big universe. Yeah. I mean, I guess they just thought Tom Cruise is a big name. It'll just draw people. We don't really need to try very hard. I honestly don't know what's, what happened with this film. Um, I mean, what, how long is it? Like, it's an hour and forty something. Yeah, it's quite a short film. So, it's not very long. Yeah, mercifully, it's quite short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I take could take two and a half hours of this. Um, and usually, when there's an action scene, like I said, the action scenes are, are fine. You could sort of watch them and go, "Oh yeah, that's entertaining," but it's nothing like special. Not like the Mission Impossible mm. films or things like that. Um. Yeah, just sort of very workmanlike. Lots of bad jokes. Um, point, just pointless. <laughs> it's a pointless film. Of the very few things that I sort of liked about the film, um, there was like that one fight scene between Tom Cruise and Cockney Russell Crowe, <laughs> which I actually thought was quite, quite good. Mm. Um, it's quite brutal in places. Um, for like, I don't know, is it a 12? I think it's a 12 certificate film. Because um, they're just sort of knocking seven bells out of each other. I'm like, actually, you know what? This is actually quite a world and fight scene. I mm. appreciate that. And actually, in that scene, do you know when Jenny is trying to get that book? Mm. Oh no, she's trying to get away from that guard. She hits him with a book, and it turns out to be the book from the Brendan Fraser films. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, I did not. I didn't. I didn't clock that. That's cool. Yeah, that's supposed to be like a little Easter egg, I think. But that was quite. Good. That was quite cool. Um, but yeah, apart from that, there's not. There's no substance to mm. really talk about. The dialogue is pretty awful. The action scenes are okay. I mean, um, I mean, if you really want to laugh, go on YouTube and type in um, the Mummy original trailer with the broken scream do you know what i mean do you know what i'm talking no. about by that no right so this is you know trivia fun facts right mm-hmm. universal actually released the first trailer for this film without a finished audio track okay so there's bits of audio missing and sound effects and it just sounds so weird. And there's a bit in the trailer. You know when Tom Cruise screams on the mm-hmm. way down? <laughs> By describing it, I can't do it justice. But it's the, it's a hilarious, like, scream. That's definitely not his scream. <laughs> I'll have to go on and um, um, find that. Yeah. It was a massive meme at the time, I think. And it just got shared around. Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave a link for it in the description of this episode. So if anyone's listening and they haven't um, seen it, 
they can click the link and we can laugh together. (laughs) So the next film that we are going to be discussing, excellent segue, is um, (laughs) Top Gun Maverick. Now, this was released in 2022. It was released a couple of months ago. Um, It has 8.6 stars on IMDb. It has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Um, it was directed by Joseph Kaczynski, um, stars Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly and Miles Teller amongst others. And I, this was the first time for the podcast that I got to go and see a film in cinema for the podcast. And I had a great time. (laughs) I did too. It was, I'll be surprised if it doesn't end in my top five films of the Mm. year, because it's just... It's just a great experience. Like it's one of those films you absolutely must see on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I agree. of the scope of it and just of how much time and effort you can clearly see being put in on the screen and the actual sort of jeopardy that you can feel in the flying scenes. And actually, not just the flying scenes because the emotional scenes. Oh my god, mm. I got quite emotional at some a lot of this film. Well, there was a big thing going around about how like loads of grown men were crying in it and everyone was like, let your emotions out. Let your emotions out. Exactly. Tom Cruise got their, their, all their emotions out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like, because I'm not like the biggest fan of the original Top Gun. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I think it's um, it's entertaining. It's not like a film I'd revisit often, but I'm just sort of like, this is a cheesy 80s film. Mm. Um that wasn't heavily emotionally invested in, apart from obviously the one scene that does surprise you that involves Goose. Um, mm-hmm. Spoilers if you haven't seen the original Top Gun, by the way. Um, he dies. <laughs> yeah, so it's spoiler alert for everyone, but it is what yeah. it is. I mean, it came out in uh, the mid-80s, so I'd hope you'd seen it. But um... <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, that's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, this film, honestly, I, I don't know, it just pushes all the right buttons. Yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised because I've seen the original Top Gun. I enjoyed it enough, but like, it's kind of similar to you. Didn't have an emotional attachment to it. I'd seen it because my parents were like, oh, we're going to watch. We, me and my family used to do um, every Saturday night, we'd watch a film and one person from the family got to pick the film. And I think when we watched Top Gun, I think my dad had chosen that as what was going to be our film for the Saturday um Mm. and so we watched it it was it was fun I enjoyed it enough but it wasn't something that I ever revisited um and then when this film came out I probably wouldn't have seen it in the cinema had it not been for this podcast so thank you to this Mm. podcast um, (laughs) and thank you to you for picking Tom Cruise um I probably wouldn't have seen it in the cinema I probably would have you know eventually seen it at some point and then I when I saw it and I had the best time I think it is such an enjoyable movie it's an adrenaline rush from start to finish it's got some really um good sequences really good acting um yeah I just think it like you said it ticked all the right boxes and I really was so surprised by how much I enjoyed it I text my parents afterwards because they'd also seen it I think the day before mm. um 
And I texted him and I was like, that was really good. And my mum was like, see, I told you, I told you it was going to be good. And then everyone on social media was just singing its praises. And I just, I haven't seen a reaction to a film like that in a really long time. I was watching, Mm. like, when I was watching the film, there were moments where you kind of like, out the corner of your eye, see people who are sat near you. Because I went by myself, I'm by my lonesome watching this film. And there were moments where I could see out the corner of my eye just like people getting so into it particularly in the third act I don't know about you but the adrenaline rush of that third act I was my heart rate was so fucking high I reckon my Fitbit watch probably thought I was doing a workout because I was just so like was like so into it and I could see people in the corner of my eye just get like leaning forward and then leaning forward again and then leaning forward again um while they were watching these scenes because it was so intense but like so enjoyable um yeah so good it was literally so so good definitely I think part of that comes from Tom Cruise's insistence on uh, practicality in, mm. in, in a lot of his films. In all of his films, actually. So, like, the actors were sent up in real jets and things and had to learn how to film themselves during mm-hmm. the sequences, which just adds so much to it. Because I think that people can sort of tell now when something isn't real on, mm. on screen. You know, and you don't have to be really into films to sort of notice it. You can, you know, your average sort of cinema goer can really notice it as well um but yeah that really adds a lot as well to the sequences which were just god jess i was on the edge of my seat I'll be honest. <laughs> i was like bloody hell what's going to happen next are they going to kill off tom <laughs> that's bold if they do <laughs> honestly i was like oh bold that's bold yeah. they, and that, that's there's a couple of fake outs that, yeah i was um, like yeah it's just, and you already at that point, you know they're not afraid to kill off a main character because in the first film they killed off um, Goose. So it's like, yeah. they, they could do it. Um, I won't spoil whether they did or not. You can find that out by watching the film. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it's just so entertaining. And it is true what you say. I think the, the authenticity of having the actors be able to actually fly the planes which is mad to me I mean how amazing as an actor in that moment to be able to learn a skill like that because when else are you going to learn how to do that but also like terrifying at the same time like yeah wow but having that authenticity there even if you don't necessarily know that before you watch the film you almost feel the extra layer of like danger I guess um that's yeah. involved in that and i'm not i'm not one for um dangerous circumstances on set i think that everything should be safe and according to plan um but obviously yes. they trained yeah. them up enough that it was safe but there's some there was an element to it where it felt like the the stakes were were higher um mm. and it just did everything it was supposed to do it is practically saved cinema at this point in terms of its <laughs> box office numbers um it just i don't think anyone anticipated it being as big of a success as it has been which is strange because Mm. obviously it was a big film in the 80s it's got tom cruise in it but i think i just think people didn't expect to enjoy it as much as they did yeah that's the thing um 
because Tom Cruise has quite a bit of a resurgence in, say, like the last 10 years. Um, mm. I'd like to say, like, the new Mission Impossible films have really stepped it up. That's why the series is now regarded as some of the best in the action genre because of mm. him and his insistence on doing everything for real. And as long as you see Mission Impossible Fallout, I've, I have, but it was, I can't remember it in its entirety. Yeah, but honestly, one of, probably one of my favourite action films of mm. all time, just because the practicality and the breakneck stunts. You just go, like people in the cinema, I remember at the time, were lit, this woman almost leapt out of her seat <laughs> when Tom Cruise crashed on this motorcycle. I'm just like, you don't see that in, say, um, mm. I hate doing this. And not to bash Marvel, but like, you know, um, I guess superhero films are films with a lot of special effects. Mm. If you get what I mean. Not that those films mm. aren't enjoyable. A lot of them really are and have very well-crafted stories. Um, some of them less so, but mm-hmm. um, that's for another day. Um, but yeah, it's just that aspect of him wanting to do everything practically. And he's such a recognisable, likeable actor in everything he does. Mm. Um, that people will be like, oh, the new Tom Cruise film. Like, um, I remember going to see it, and people didn't say. There's a few people I heard who went to go and get tickets who were like, didn't go say, and say Top Gun Maverick. They said, yeah, uh, two tickets for Tom Cruise, please. Like yeah. he's just that big of a star, and that well loved, and like this film as well. How much, I don't know how I think it's the highest grossing film of the year. I think so, yeah, from what I've been reading. Yeah. And considering what else has been out? Doctor Strange has been out. Mm. And the new Thor film, which I haven't done as well as that. Obviously, mm. they've done well, but like, you wouldn't expect Top Gun to come out of the game and go, right, highest grossing film of the year. The f- a film everyone sort of loves. It's just sort of quite a an underdog story, I guess. Mm. Well, a hundred million dollar plus underdog story, but still. <laughs> No, it's just, I think it's, this is, this is what Tom Cruise does best. And he knows this Mm. is what he does best. He has very much leaned into this niche um, market of being this action star who um, does his own stunts and is, and sort of leans on that authenticity. I think he has, ultimately, I think you could argue that Tom Cruise has kind of changed the game a little bit when it comes to action films and the expectations of um, the actors in those films to be able to at least lend their hand to a few of the stunts um Mm. i think he's made actors want to do their own stunts Um, and obviously like i said as long as it's within the realms of safety i don't think that's a bad decision um but obviously there Mm. are stunt people who train their entire lives um to be able to do the the crazy stuff um and i take my hat off to them because some of the stuff that they do is absolutely insane um but it is these films are adrenaline rushes and they're the type of films that you go, you you watch them, you have a really great time, you leave really excited and happy and you go tell your friends, oh, you should go see this, you should go see this. I think that is why this film has been as big of a success as it is because people went and saw it and then they told every single person they know, you need to go see this film, it's amazing. 
And that's why it's the success that it is right now. Definitely. Um, Word of mouth seems to be the thing that really propels films, even Mm. nowadays, because like... um, What's a good example of the recent recent films that have done that? Um, I, I guess think the new Spider-Man film. That... Yeah, I think everything, everywhere, yeah. all at once. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Um, I haven't because nowhere near me was showing it at sort of a very acceptable time, apart from like yeah. some really late night showings. But um, I really want to see it. Yeah. If you get the chance to, I watched it, um, and it's amazing. And the mm. one of the main reasons I went to see that film was because mm. people was saying how amazing it was. My housemates were telling me how amazing it was. Mm. And I think that, and, you know, seeing online as well, how amazing it was. And I think because Mm. we live in a sort of age nowadays with um, where there is so many films and so many TV shows that are getting released constantly, sometimes it can feel quite fatiguing to work your way through all of that to find the good stuff because there is a lot of Mm. crap out there because so much (laughs) is getting churned out. That's inevitably going to be the case that you get some stuff that is bad i think people don't want to trudge through everything to find the good stuff so when they hear that something's amazing they're going to go and see it uh and you know i'm the type of person where i quite like it when i hear different opinions about films when it's like some people saying it's amazing other people saying it's awful i find that quite interesting i mean that's partly the the reason this podcast exists because i think it makes um for interesting discussions when people have different opinions on films um but i do think that there is definitely a power in um the word of mouth and how when people say you gotta go see this film nine times out of ten someone will go and see it because they know that at least someone they trust likes it definitely and i feel like even though people like listening to say critics opinions i guess and obviously uh via the internet and things um if your friend says yeah you need to go see this then you more often not listen to them don't you Mm, exactly (laughs) There were just and there were just so many moments in this film that are just like was so good. And like I mean, obviously I've mentioned that third act, but I mean the build up to it as well, where they had all of the training sequences um that were a really good homage to the original, um, whilst also being its own thing, having the that where they were like explaining how they were gonna do the whole mission. <laughs> and then when and then you get to the end and you see them actually doing it and for the most part other than right up to the the last part of it they're really successful and you're like yes they're doing it um they've nailed it and then you get the sort of like slight plot twist but also i guess somewhat predictable where something goes wrong because something's inevitably going to go wrong um but the whole the whole thing. One of my favorite moments. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite moments was when um, the the generals had essentially said, "There is no way that anyone can um, do this flight in this in the time scale that you're claiming they can." And then Tom Cruise's character just hops in a plane, and he's like, "You want a bet?" and um, goes off and does it in like half the time that he'd been telling people that they could do it in. And I was like, yes. I was watching the film like, yes, do it. Beat the time, beat the time, beat the time. <laughs> no, definitely. It definitely sort of um, builds tension really well mm. and sort of builds up to the, like, the um, 
the ending, which is just um, sort of like the first one, isn't it? At the end, the very mm. end of the film, I mean. Um, but the build up's like the big mission is like really yeah. cool. Yeah. And it was, you know, very emotional at the end. I was crying in the cinema, not afraid to admit it. I was like, getting really emotional. And it was just so, it was just such a, a, a fun time. Like, I haven't, it's been a while since I've watched a film where I've walked away and I've gone, I enjoyed myself so much watching that, um, which is exactly what it was setting out to do. It was going out of its way to be a film event. It was, that hmm. was, I think that was the plan with this, was for it to be this big film event, big adrenaline rush type film um, that still had a lot of heart to it. And yet it just, all elements of it just sort of came together to to make the pretty much perfect film. I thought the cast were great. Um, like I said before, Tom Cruise doing what Tom Cruise does best. I think he did hmm. an excellent job in this. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on on him in this. I actually think it's one of his best recent performances. Mm. I'd say, at least in the last 15, 20 years. Not knocking the Mission Impossible films or anything, but I don't know. There was a lot more emotion behind his character because obviously it's a sequel. Mm. And the events of the first film weigh very heavily on his character in the second. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with um, Goose's son, Rooster, great name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like the emotional driving force of the film. And that's what like really compels you to watch it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that he just did so good and there was the there was the right amount of nostalgia attached to the film but with it still being able to exist on its own which i think is something that's really difficult to do but was cleverly Mm. done because there will have been a lot of people who went and saw this film who quite possibly hadn't seen the first one um Mm. because the gap between the two films is so big um so it worked really well where i mean i i had seen the the first film but it'd been such a long time that i couldn't quite remember exactly what happened but it explained it in a way where it wasn't like spoon feeding um but it you kind of got the backstory enough that you're like oh okay i know where we're at now i know what's going on and then Mm. you can still enjoy the film for what it is and i thought the dynamic between miles teller and tom cruise was really good and really interesting to watch I thought they both played that really well, that kind of um, strained relationship was really interesting to to see. And I thought Miles Teller did such a brilliant job. We've not really seen him in a role like this before, and he absolutely smashed it. Um, so, yeah, are there any other, like, main moments that you'd love to discuss? I would. I mean, how spoilery. Is this going to get? Oh, you can you can spoil away. Don't worry. Oh, great. Um, there's a moment where, away from sort of the main emotional drive of the plot with Rooster, um, Jennifer Connelly's character, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of old flame sort of storyline. I thought that was really well done as well. Um, quite emotional. Um 
especially when, you know when Tom Cruise is sneaking out of the house. Yeah. And her daughter sees him. And I think she says something along the lines of um, don't break her heart again or something like that. And you just sort yeah. of like, you see that way on him a lot. I thought that was a, like an excellent addition to that. The sort of main driving force of the film. Yeah, I just thought, yeah, there were they, the, every all of the character dynamics were really well fleshed out and you knew what was going on and um, how it was all working. Yeah, I just, I think it, um, it all came together in just the perfect way. Definitely. And the death of Iceman as well. Mm. I thought that, that whole scene was really well done. Mm. I was on the verge of tears, I won't lie. Um, I was just like, this is really hitting. Oh, I'm like... And then the funeral and everything else and how it sort of drives Maverick to really try and engage with Rooster. Mm. And, you know, get them get them ready for the mission against the enemy. Who We never actually learn who the enemy are, but... We, pre- you know, you can presume who it is. You mm. know, it doesn't. That's not the point of the film. The point of the film is this story, the emotional weight of what happened. I want to say thirty-six years before. Mm. Um, today, in the modern context, with um, things like drones and things, and this sort of new type of air combat. Yeah. And like a new generation of um, fighter pilots, and just that whole that whole story. I'm probably not really, you know, eloquently <laughs> explaining my thoughts about the film, but you know, it feels like a very old-fashioned, in a good way, sort of film. If you get what I mean. Yeah. No. And I think there was that like element every- of um, them sort of approaching this new way of working and and him basically being like no there's still a place for this um these types of fighter pilots and i think that's sort of like in a way it's like there's still a place for these types of films yeah definitely um it just it just flows so well like when you're you know the opening grips you when you understand the character dynamics, even though if you haven't seen the first one, it really sort of draws you into the story and the action sequences, and it just sort of, I don't know, it's all the right pieces coming together. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) We could have just said that for about Yeah, and that would have been it. It's so good. It's so good, it's so good, it's so good. Um... Are there any other like performances of Tom Cruise's that you are a big fan of? Quite a few, yeah. I mean, I'd say he's probably up there in terms of um, one of my very favourite sort of mainstream actors. Mm. I just think he's... If you look at his filmography, he's very versatile. Like um, where he started out with Risky Business, for example. Mm-hmm. And then he goes off and does, I think, Top Gun. And then 10 years later, 
he's doing weird films like um, Eyes Wide Shut and then Vanilla Sky, but also the Mission Impossible films. And you just never know where he's going to go next. I yes. Guess. Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I a haven't seen that one, actually. Film. Um, very, a bit sort of a Groundhog Day meets Aliens sort of thing. Without, like, giving too much away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Maguire, I'd say, is a good sort of a classic. Yes, I love Jerry Maguire. Sort of, yeah. It's one of yeah, my favourite sort of rom-com things. Yeah, uh, A Few Good Men. I mean, all these sort of really quotable films. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible films, I'd say. Well, the very recent ones. Yeah, there's just so much to dive into, to be honest. Mm. Not The Mummy. Definitely not The Mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Fair Um, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Collateral as well, which is very good. Um, Him and Jamie Foxx, where, again, he plays a very morally bankrupt character. So, Brett, where can people find you if they wanted to follow you on anything, if you've got Twitter or anything like that, you want to plug yourself, promote yourself? Just at B Hurlingshaw if you want to follow me. Cool. Well, um, as always, if you want to follow the podcast, we are Better Bad Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I am Jess underscore Rolland on Twitter and Jess Rolland on Instagram. Um, is there anyone else that you would love for me to discuss on this podcast oh you can say no if you're just like just tom cruise (laughs) (laughs) yes just tom cruise forever no um mads mickelson Hmm. i think would be interesting very interesting because he has sort of um he obviously does a lot of film, uh, Danish films, sort of mm. art house sort of films, and he does these big Hollywood films like Casino Royale and uh, recently Fantastic Beasts, I think. Yes, of course. And loads of stuff. Oh, Doctor Strange as well, the first one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just got an interesting um, filmography, and I guess you couldn't talk about it really, but Hannibal as well. Yes. Um, Excellent show. <laughs> Excellent show. Excellent show. Excellent um, show. Bring it back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I thought it was a really fun and interesting discussion. Um, and, yeah, thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to talk to me about Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's all right. If anyone else wants me to take the day time out of my day to talk about Tom Cruise, I will. <laughs> You've heard it here first folks if you need someone to talk about tom cruise you all know where to go Um, don't at me (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um i will see everybody else um next time on better than bad thank you so much guys hello everyone it's editing jess here um when i originally recorded this podcast with brett i hadn't quite finalized who we would be discussing in the next episode but i have now so i'm back just to update you on who we will be discussing i'm going to be joined by some very special guests but i'm going to leave that as a little surprise for you all um and next time we will be discussing the one and only hugh jackman now his highest rated film on imdb is the prestige which has 8.5 stars and was directed by christopher nolan um now his lowest rated film this was a film 
that when I started this podcast, I knew it was going to come up at some point because it is the lowest rated film for a lot of actors in Hollywood because it seemed to have pretty much every actor in Hollywood in it. I don't know why they signed on for it. Um, and that film, I have been dreading this. <laughs> I've been dreading having to watch this. But that film is movie 43 um which has 4.3 stars was released in 2013 like i said it stars nearly every single person in hollywood and it also was directed by nearly every single person in hollywood so we'll get into that a bit more in the next episode i hope you're looking forward to it i really am and yeah i'll see you next time on better than bad thank you so much for listening (laughs) 